Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's just play a little game. Okay. Right. I like games. It's not called rugby. But rugby is oh. a good game. So you are in France mm-hmm. for the Rugby World Cup. Let's imagine you are at Saint-Étienne Stadium, okay. Geoffrey Girard Stadium, where we will be on Friday. Instead, mm-hmm. imagine you were there this afternoon as we record this for Fiji's win over Australia. I'm imagining it. It's okay. pretty good. Okay. You also are Mary Poppins. But Mary Poppins, who is a fan of the Australian national rugby team, as in, you just have Mary Poppins' handbag, right? You can reach and pull out anything you like. Is Mary Poppins a fan of the Australian National Rugby She is in this world. Okay. 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 I, I love So you have, like, you know, like Mary Poppins' handbag, which you can pull out whatever she wants, right? She wore like a hat. My favourite player is Michael Hooper. Yeah. Great. Thank you, um, Mary Poppins. Um, so, in this reality, you are sat near Eddie Jones when the full-time whistle goes. Yeah. You have a clear line of sight to the coach's box. Yes. What do you reach into your handbag to throw at Eddie Jones? Will Skelton. That is a great choice. That is a fantastic choice. Why is he in your handbag? Because I can fit him in there. Handbag's huge. Why is he in there? How did you get him in there? Uh, I um, thought he uh, was injured, so I thought, well, I've got loads of first aid equipment in there, so um, I can help him out. You just lured him into your handbag with the promise of first aid. Because there was first aid. And Will Skelton, instead of going great, I'm using it for good. Instead of going great, I'll go with these medical professionals. I'll wander into this random person's handbag, which is just filled with horses and hat stands and little drawings of cats. Yes. Okay. And what did he say in this process? He said, uh, oh, Struth, there's a hospital inside your handbag, I'd better get inside because that's where I need to be. How many of the rugby players do you have trapped in this hospital inside your handbag? Just him and Taniela Tupo. Just him and Taniela Tupo. Is that why they're at this Wales game? the two biggest up? ones. Yeah. <laughs> just because you shove them in your handbag. Well, they and need now, a like, hospital. You're just going to leave it. You're just going to leave it here in Nice. No, I'm going to throw Will Skelson and then eventually Taniela Tupo at Eddie Jones. Okay. How are you going to throw him? He's quite big. Yeah, I, you can pull him out of your hand. You can I could throw the bag, fine. I suppose. It'd really hurt. If Mary Poppins throws a handbag d- and hits somebody with it, do they feel the weight of all of the No, because it's magic, isn't it? Ah, oh, okay. Just like the weight of the handbag on its own. I'd probably pass it to Eddie Jones in that case and go, Will Skelton's in there, you might want him. And then he'll go, what? Yeah. Be very confused. If you just hand He'd that also over, say, mate. If, yeah, if, if I was Eddie Jones, right, and I got handed a handbag by a random fan and they said... Will Skelton is in there. Yeah. I would assume it's a bomb threat. That's valid. But then you'd look inside and go, oh, there's a hospital. There's like medical professionals in there. There's like weird pictures and stuff, as you mentioned earlier. And Will Skelton and Taniela Tupo, Will my two biggest and Taniela Tupo are in there. And medical professionals yes. who are hanging about. What do they do most of the time? How much are you paying them? Uh, I'm personally not paying them. Right. Then why are they there? 
Um, magic. You're working on slave labour. No, magic's paying them. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's what the British Empire said. Okay. Of slavery. You can't just rewrite no. the canon they were Mary like, Poppins oh, this like just... this. No, 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 no. Mary Poppins did not keep slaves in a handbag. <laughs> she wasn't the Egyptians. <laughs> <laughs> and look, what did you want me to answer that question with? I stand by my answer regardless. So you say if you had... A magic handbag that you pull any item out of and throw at Eddie Jones at full time as a passionate, angry Australian fan Mm. who is within throwing distance of Eddie Jones, right? You would throw Will Skelton from a hospital that you keep in your handbag. Yes! Okay. What's so stupid about that? So, Eddie Jones gave the correct answer in his post-match press conference. Okay. Eddie Jones said, um, they should be throwing baguettes at me. (laughs) Brilliant. Do you know what that is? Because he's in France. He's in France. So they should be throwing baguettes in. He loves a bit of just like random, like unnecessary xenophobia, doesn't he? (laughs) He's obsessed with it. It's his whole like coaching philosophy, weirdly, is based on They're going to come out like 15 Donald Trumps. We're not going to France for the croissants, you know. The whole thing about like him wanting to create an England team that was like a parody of the English, him wanting to create a Japanese team that was a parody of the Japanese. Do you You know, his whole approach is basically based on like politics that he learned from The Simpsons. Do you reckon when we eventually cover 2003 World Cup? Yeah. Before the final, we're going to look at his press conference and we're like, oh, I see they've been training hard in Buckingham Palace or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. He's yeah. going to say something like that, which has aged really weirdly because he's now lived in England for like this seven years. This is the thing, years. right? Like, he's the last Wallaby coach to win the Bledsoe Cup. Yeah. Right? <laughs> which is Do funny. you think the reason he hasn't done it since? It's because he can't think of any national stereotypes for the Kiwis. Yeah, he's run he's out like, of them. But like the national stereotypes of the Kiwis, right? There's like two, which are uh, the nice people. Yeah. Uh, and they're good at rugby. Yeah. And you're like, great. Yeah. You can't really use them as a diss. Yeah. Oh, you're a lovely guy who scores lots of tries. Yeah. Ooh, takedown, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's all he's got. His it's only no. material is Hobbit stuff and they're oh, all look, too big. Mate, I know they're going to come out like eight Power Rangers in the pack. Like, you know, I love the pink Power Ranger, um, Ethan DeGroote. He could have used that in Japan though. He should have. Oh, yeah. missed opportunity. Well, the actual action scenes. Yeah. Eddie, if you're listening, you can have yeah, that Yeah, next one. time. Next and time, I'll yeah. give you Tanya Lizzie back soon. All yeah. Right. And if, look, if they happen to draw Japan in the quarterfinals or anything, mm-hmm. if that's still possible, theoretically, please, please, Eddie, go mad. Yeah. And call up Michael Hooper, please. I miss him. I miss Michael Hooper as well. Please say Japan is going to play like 23 Super Marios. <laughs> you can say that with Italy as well, actually. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And maybe America? Because yeah, isn't he's supposedly guy... from Brooklyn. Yeah, isn't the guy who voices Mario American? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's changed recently. Topical discussion. But yeah, no, he's just like, he's just like a guy from New York. He's just like a voice actor. <laughs> uh, there's a great story he tells where he's like, oh, you know, I was going in, I was going to do like a really gruff, like, accent. I can be different to everyone else and be like, you know, really like tough and whatever else. Uh, and then he just started doing the voice and he just said, it's a me, Mario. Mm. And he just did that voice for five minutes. And he was apparently the last guy they saw. And they were like, yeah, we're tired. We're just hiring this guy. <laughs> like, he smashed it. There. Yep. And he apparently just like wanders around the world just doing that voice of literally anyone that will listen. Fair play. Yeah. He can cash in on that. Good oh, on he has. he has. He has. Fair enough. So, enough about Mario, though I could, we could easily do enough time on but that. But that's not. Because the reason that people should have been throwing baguettes at Eddie Jones mm-hmm. is his Australia team lost to Fiji. Yes, so you made the point semi-ironically mm. that this isn't an upset technically because 
Fiji yeah. are a higher ranked team in the world rankings. But obviously it is an upset because it's the first time they've beaten the Wallabies since 1954. Three. 53. 53. Sorry. 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 One whole year there. Yeah. Uh, not giving them enough credit, clearly. Clearly dumbing down on the tier two teams. But no, Fiji were exceptional and they deserved yeah. it. I'm so happy for this Fiji team because they're so delightful to watch. This is maybe the most all-rounded Fiji team I've ever seen. Yeah. And they really, really displayed that today. It was such a complete performance by them. I think it is. I think the Fiji team that you go back to is the 2007 one as a comparison, mm. there, right? Um, but I think this Fiji team is much more cohesive. Yeah. I think the Fijian team of 2007, the reason they got their group, and the same with 87, those two Fijian teams, I think, were the two Fijian teams most deserving to get out of the group mm. relative to everything else because they were the two Fijian teams with the best defense and kicking games, right? And they had a more Thanks, all-run game. Good. Yeah, so you had, you know, Severo Corridua, the favorite player on this podcast. If you go yeah. back and listen to any of the old episodes on, you know, uh, Retro World Cups, our favorite player of all time has become Severo Superboot Corridua, who was a Fijian policeman with the biggest boot in the world. Yes. And he was just a wonderful, wonderful player. And has incorrectly been remembered best for dropping the ball uh, against France when he's about to score a try. Mm. And that is wrong. He's the greatest player of all time. We should put some respect on his goddamn name. Yes. Um, but also the 2017 team had Nicky Little, right? However, I think this Virginia team is really cohesive in how all those things knit together, yeah. right? Like their defense is really good because they're so effective at the breakdown. And a lot of that is because they kick well to get them into positions in which they can then defend and win turnovers later and then launch yeah. the counterattack. And then also attack, yeah. Yeah. And that eventually does open up space yeah. for the Rangers, the two overs. Like, so I always think this of like Michael Bay movies, right? Like I have come around a lot on Michael Bay, but you know, he mostly makes like big dumb action movies. And part of the thing is people used to criticize his movies for not having good acting in them. And so what he started doing is he would have like a scene where he'd highlight two really good actors to do like a dramatic scene. And he'd be like, well, we had good acting. It was that scene there. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was like, he'd like use acting like it was a special effect. Brilliant. Um, and I think past Virginia teams have been a bit like that. They've been like, mm. well, we did some good kicking. It was that one conversion. Do you not see it? Yeah. Whereas this team is like a cohesive, full, like really full bodied, like experience it's a bloody it's a good movie that sticks together where you know it's a bloody mission impossible movie rather than like a michael bay transformers <laughs> where like all the action feeds into the character stuff and the character stuff feeds into the action it's all more exciting and tom cruise is about to kill himself doing it only he's levani bottier and he's unbelievable this is just like the most cohesive connected joined up thinking fiji team i think we've ever seen yeah and i think they really deserve to win one of these two games against wales or fiji Definitely. i'm bloody delighted it wasn't the one against wales <laughs> yeah me too um but i also think relative to what was happening wales played that game far smarter and they were far better than mm. australia were in this game what do you make of the wallabies then overall on the basis of this game yeah okay um i still have no idea and here's the thing right i said at the start of this game just before it started this is the first time we're going to get to see what eddie's wallabies are like and i still don't think we have um he said in that press conference as well that I picked a very young team and I have no regrets over that. I've chosen to go this way. This is the way I want to go. I want to, you know, rebuild Australian rugby from scratch. I try to build a team who are successful. This is a big setback in that. Yeah, massive. Because um, it could potentially mean if they don't beat Wales next week, they're out in the pool stage for the first time ever. Yeah, and that the only game they've won this year would be Georgia. Yeah. Well, I mean, they'll probably beat um, Portugal. No, the way. But um, No, they won't. No, you're correct. But yeah, I do think there's then room for them to rebuild because I think the other teams in the rugby championship are all going to have to have big rebuilding phases and there's a decent chance Japan are added right afterwards as well. Mm. So they could have another chance to win a game there. Um, 
I think we'll see a very different Australia team after this World Cup and they'll be rebuilt Definitely. and they'll change. And, yeah, Eddie or no Eddie. Um, but really, a lot of it's on Rugby Australia. They essentially rolled the dice, right? I think Dave Rennie was probably going to coach the Wallabies to a quarterfinal or a semifinal and that'll be it. Yeah. I think the chances of them winning the World Cup were very low. Yeah. I think even right now, having lost to Fiji, the chances of Australia winning this World Cup are higher than they would have been if we had Dave Rennie in charge and they'd just They massively just rolled the dice, but they probably rolled a one. But that's it, right? But they, they might have rolled a six. Right. I think even now, Australia's chance of winning the World Cup are better than they would have been if Rennie, if Rennie was in charge and they won this game by three points. Sure. Right. Uh, because I think Eddie Jones is more like they produce some mad bullshit that'll yeah. turn everything around. Oh, undoubtedly. However, the chances of them going out in the group also increase exponentially. Massively. When they their I still think coach. it was, even though they have hired, in my opinion, the greatest rugby coach of all time. Yeah. I still think it's a stupid idea. It was, to it suck was a mad coach. idea. And they did it because they didn't want him to be going elsewhere after this World Cup. Yeah. And the thing is, he still might because Japan want to buy him out of the contract. Yeah. He's apparently their first choice. I don't think if Australia go out in the group, he can do that because mm. I think he does care about his own reputation. Yeah. And, I don't think he'd ever want it to be viewed as a failure. I think he would really look to build towards that Lions Tour and that World Cup afterwards and look to win both. Yeah. And go, well, okay, now I've now got a five-year lead in. I've done a lot of the groundwork in terms of blooding players, in terms of giving players experience in World Cups, in terms of just building this position. A new squad, yeah. Yeah. And actually, there's a realistic chance that he can kick on from there and win a Lions Tour and win a World Cup. Well, or at least, you know, push really hard for a World Cup, if not win it. Sure. On home soil as well, which is the other important thing to remember. However... This current Wallabies team don't look entirely solid. I think there's another interesting thing that Jones said post-match, which is if you look at the stats, we dominated that game. And yet, if you look at what we were actually doing on the field, it just wasn't working. We just mm, weren't doing it well. Interesting. And I think he's right. I think the Wallabies tactically were playing that right. It was just like every kick was rolling. I don't think the Wallabies played long. badly. I don't. But I also think they did. It's a really weird game where I think sometimes when you see a team playing badly, a lot of it is forced, mm. right? I think the Wallabies, that wasn't the case here. Yeah. I think the Wallabies played broadly all right. Yeah. But they were getting, like, their game plan 5% off. So the Wallabies is sure. an awful lot of kicking in a very particular way where they were looking to push Fiji, Fiji back and hope they would run it back yeah. in an effort to, you know, isolate them or force them to do poor exits. It's kind of the opposite of what France do. Like, France won't the opposition to kick it back to you. Mm. Uh, New Zealand do that. You know, a lot of teams are caught onto that idea of that way of thinking. Australia wanted Fiji to run this back. And Fiji went, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> there's two sides to that, right? One is like, you saw a few times that work perfectly and it opened up either space in the back for them to stick it through or you saw um, them, you know, get chances to attack the ball and turn it over and, you know, like, yeah, yeah, whatever else. But you also saw quite a lot of kicks run too long. Quite yes. a lot of kicks, you know, roll dead. Roll like a, dead. I can't remember the last time I saw a team kick the ball dead so often. Yeah, and a couple out on the fall yeah. and so on. Um, and above all of that, I'm going to give you, on behalf of every Australian fan, mm. one word. And that word is discipline. Yes. Yes. I think that's the headline of how Australia massively backfired. Mm. As you say, the game plan and everything... Obviously, not quite perfect, but like yeah. it wasn't bad the way that they tried yeah. to execute that. Um, and like, there were a handful of like key players that were a little bit quiet. Like we barely and, saw Karambete. Skelton so. pulled out to go to your handbag right before the game. Exactly, so. exactly. Because I'm still Mary Poppins. Um, I've just realised we've not introduced ourselves in any of these. Podcasts. I don't care. That's fine. People are I'm listening. They're working this out. Anyway, um, so 
And I'm yeah, Dick the, Van Dyke. The, the discipline was really bad, frankly. Mm. Um, some of that was, in fact, I'd argue a lot of that was forced by Fiji. Most of it. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? So Australia conceded 17 penalties. I, you're reckoning, and I haven't gone over the game yet. I'm, we're going entirely off first impressions. I'll yeah. go over it again tomorrow when we've got a copy of it downloaded and everything. Don't tell World Rugby. Um, I reckon you're probably looking at maybe three of those in the scrum. Yeah. You're probably then looking at six or seven at the breakdown, which is forced Tangy, by outstanding, by the way. So yeah. Um, the tight head, he was so, so good. Uh, and Mawi. And then coming back on, yeah, Ren yeah. Mawi and Pei Ravai. Um, um, you're probably then looking at like seven or eight in the breakdown. Yeah. It felt like an awful lot. That might be an exaggeration. Oh, mate. I'm going to wank over Laura Butter mm. in a moment, but Jesus Christ, he was so good. But at that point, right, you're saying of the 17 penalties, 10 or 11 of them are forced yeah. by Fiji. Um, that leaves, you know, there's probably two or three for high tackles, a couple of technical offences, offsides and yeah. the like. Um, but that's still more than Fiji gave away in the whole game. Well, Fiji gave away eight. Um, yeah. Never mind then. It's around as many. But yeah, it's around the same figure. Um, the thing is, though, right, that ultimately comes down not to... Dis- I don't mean to argue with you, but like it comes down not to discipline, but to accuracy. Mm. And Australia were consistently... I think they went in with like solid tactics that could beat Fiji. And they were just like 10% off everything all the time. I would argue that falls under the umbrella term of discipline. Sure, but yes. sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of it was just like not getting the clear out right. Yeah. Um, was having the scrum being so back and forth and one team being on top and the other team being on top and it being really hard to tell what was going on at any given scrum, partly because, you know, they lost their best scrummage and the best tie head and yeah. the heavier second row in world rugby, yeah. which makes a huge difference. But it was a very, very interesting Australian performance, I think. There's a lot to dig into and I want to do that in the coming days. But I think really today, the big thing to talk about is Fiji. Something I've just realised... Mm. Will Skelton, by such a long way, for, uh, for obvious reasons being his um, club rugby being played at La Rochelle, yeah. he's the one person in the Wallabies who is most likely to know how on earth you're meant to clear out Lavani Bottier in a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, like, how on earth are you meant to put, clear that man out? They're top-level international coaches and players who are trying to figure that out and ha- are completely none the wiser. That man is just a beast. He's a god. Like, he... For me, I think was the best player on the field. He was just exceptional, winning turnovers, ripping the ball all day long. And like you don't even get started on his carrying at yeah. that point and the tackling. No, he was absolutely unreal. Um if we are gonna talk about Fiji, I mean, I don't think we can talk about them properly, we can do them any level of justice without mentioning a particular name. You know, so the official man of the match was obviously Joshua Tuasova. And who was bloody well Phenomenal. Yeah. But Kuravoli at nine makes such a difference. Phenomenal. He only played about 46 minutes. Yeah. Came off. But I think he won them that game in that time. Agreed. I think that Raul Louis massively rolled the dice by picking him. I think he... um, Frank Lamani is such a trustworthy player and has yeah. been exceptional for them for so many years and still is such a, an amazing nine for them. But um, to go with somebody who's a little bit less experienced, a little less well-known here, um, probably mainly off the basis of his goal kicking. Yeah. It was probably why he got the shit in the first place. And yet his tactical kicking was just superb. His game management was so, so good and just allowed the rest of the team 
to let rip. And like yeah. Teller, once again at 10, was fantastic. I think that's the second game in a row where we really managed it well. Yeah. And I think just having Kuravoli there just took so much pressure off him and just allowed him to just call shapes and stuff rather I, than him also thinking about, right, I have to put the ball in the corner now. Yeah, you know? I completely agree with that. Like, I think he was better for being a bit unburdened. Yeah. Um, he, by taking the goal kicking away from him as well, which feeds you midway through that game and they got better when he did in that Wales game. Yeah. Um, and then in this Australia game, yeah, he was from the start, he wasn't that. And also, as you say, yeah, Kuravalu was taking on so much of the game management stuff. Yeah. And that made a big difference in terms of him just being able to box kick a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't think you've ever seen a Fiji team box kick as much as they did yeah. today, um, on that, you know, Sunday. And it was all uniformly really good, high quality kicking. They got yeah. a big chase in. And they're often doing that tactic that was starting to go back out of date because teams have started to come around on different things of just, Hanging it a slightly bit too long, and then levering the guy afterwards and chasing the breakdown. And that was how Joshua Tuasovic got his try. Yeah, was Kurovoli going for that kick, and it, yeah, just going slightly too far for. I think it was Noah Gondisawase, uh, Carter Gordon, Carter Gordon uh, in the backfield, and just a jammy bounce for mm. Tuasovic to score. And like well, one on one in loads of space, he's obviously going to score. Can I give you a stat? Yeah, Carter Gordon has played forty games of professional rugby. Okay, right. In that time, he has kicked 15 conversions and one penalty, which is yes. absurd. That's mad. Right. For the first choice fly half for an international team who was the first choice goal kicker until he had to bring in Ben Donaldson to give them someone else. Yeah. However, right, here's the concerning thing. In those 40 games, I want you to guess his win-loss ratio. Oh, it's quite difficult because I can only assume he's quite good at club level. But you know what? 65-35 in favour of winning. No. Carter Gordon, of his 40 games, has lost 30 and won 10. Oh my god, that's shocking. Yeah. So even though he's been kind of the bright spark in a lot of those... Considering the reason for dropping Quade Cooper was because like he's essentially too hardened to losing. Yeah. You know, you know, it's hard to reprogram him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was part of a good Australian 20s, Carter Gordon, um, and he's come through well. But that's starting to get a concerning statistic. Massively, massively. When he's the only fly-off in your squad. And obviously Ben Londonson great. Play there, did he's playing play well. There. But but that then comes back to the Australian decision after about 45, 50 minutes to hook him. Mm. I think it was 49 minutes they hooked him on. Yeah. And this was a decision I completely understand and understood at the time. Mm. Because the thing is, right, that All Blacks game in the Melbourne cricket ground. Huge crowd in, you know, he was playing incredibly well and then he makes two mistakes in a row and suddenly he just loses his head and he yeah. becomes dreadful for the rest of the game and everything becomes an error. He loses his head, just nothing is working for him suddenly. He made two errors in a row and Eddie Jones pulled him off Yeah, because he was worried about the same thing happening again. It felt too important to, to let that happen, yeah. which I think was a smart move on Eddie Jones' behalf because you don't know what would happen, but also you worry, are you, A, running the risk of ruining his confidence? I think it's easier to rebuild his confidence in the week than it is during a game. Sure. After you just made two errors. But also, is that the guy you want to be? Your only 10 that you're putting all your stock in? Yeah. A guy that you're having to hook because you're worried about his, you know, that he's going to lose his head now? That's a tricky thing for Australia, right? Because there's a lot of young players who haven't yet had a chance to build confidence. Because mm. either they were playing in this like weird Dave Rennie team that was all like, we love each other and we're wonderful. We'll win lots of games, but we won't beat the All Blacks ever. You put it that or, way. Yeah. They might stop Ben Donaldson at 10 as well. Yes. I wonder if they will. I think it's entirely possible. Yeah. He's, he's looked really confident so far. Yeah. And he's, he, he knows the chance he has to take and that he seemed so unlikely to even be going to this World Cup. But yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, weird it's situation. Very weird one. The thing is because they haven't worked them out yet. Yeah. And I can see what they're trying to do. 
yeah. but I don't know how good they are at it. Yeah. And a lot of people are assuming they're rubbish, and I don't think they are rubbish. No, I think they've got a way to go, but I don't think they're rubbish. I also think, like, you look at the level and the physicality of this game, of the oh, feature game last week. It was so physical, this game. Yeah. It's one of those... That, that was... It was such a good game. It was yeah. so, so good. But yeah, the physicality in the first half was, like, one of my favourite things about this whole World Cup so far. And there's this mad suggestion that these teams are drastically worse in this pool than the other teams, and they're only just, like, beating each other. Nah. I don't think that's true at all. Like, I think we're seeing proper top-end rugby. It's just a rugby mental of, yeah, pool. where it's really even. It's probably the most even pool that's ever been in a rugby world cup. Yeah. Where there is not that much between the top seed and the bottom seed. Yeah. Like, there's never been that small a gap. You know, in terms of Portugal, whether you take Wales at the top seed in terms of qualification or Fiji at the top seed in terms of ranking going into the tournament. Yeah. Um, neither of them are that far from Portugal, right? Who drew with Georgia last year who beat Wales and drew a Fiji. That's it play does them. say it all that if you take the top three of those in terms of the order they were drawn in, mm. it's reverse order of you yeah. know, how good they actually are going into the tournament. It says it all about that yeah. pool. It's a mental pool. But yeah, and I think it's led to some bloody fantastic rugby. And here's yeah. the thing. We've talked about the Wallabies a lot. We've talked about the occasion a bit. We should probably talk more about Fiji. We have to. So we're talking about Kuravali in the kicking yeah. game. And we've already mentioned the whole thing about it opening up space out wide, right? So they made the call to put Tuas over in at 12 with Rondrander on the wing. Typically, you think of those players as being the opposite way around in yeah. terms of that. But I think I was inspired. Tuas over, obviously, is less likely to handle the ball and throw miss passes, as he showed when he th- tried throwing one pass and it went into touch and went forward. But as a crash ball merchant, there is literally nobody in the world that you want to tackle less than Joshua Tuas over. And semi on the wing with space with the wingers dropped back, is one of the most dangerous sights in yeah. rugby. The amount of breaks he made is ridiculous. I'm a big believer in the idea that stats aren't everything. Yeah. But do you want to know a stat that does kind of paint every p- a picture? On. Joshua Tuasova, 64 metres off 10 carries. That's so he's averaging. Nice. He's at from 12. In a tight he's channel. Averaging, yeah. Against Sami six metres a carry. And he had a couple of huge hits on Sami Kravi, who also smashed bloody Randrandra as well. At full flight. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely that. amazing. But I think that the superstar once again, Waisaya Naifalevu. Yeah. He's just next level. The break he made near the end where he nearly set up, uh, it was Hambosu who'd come on for Van Angolo at that point. But, my God, he was so, so good. The kick he put in towards the end of the first half, uh, or it might be the start of the second, was just fantastic. The way he took control of it, there was nobody on that pitch that I was more happy for, because he's been through hell on earth in a yeah. Fiji shirt. He's played in shit Fiji teams, he's played in great Fiji teams, he's played in average ones. And this is him, like, feeling it. You can just tell he feels like, no, we're at the peak now. Yeah. And just, like, as a captain, he's just somebody that I just trust so inherently yeah. to make the right calls. No, I think he absolutely did. I think he's really good at managing referees. Yes. Which is the thing that made the bloody point, I think it's Phil Vickery's point about, oh, the Fijians are too humble and respectful people. I think it's just utter bullshit. Yeah. Because he's so good at managing referees. I know we um, talked about this last week. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about the referee because, you know, that's boring. But he's very good with that. He's very good at decision making. He's very good at knowing when to step in and say something. Yeah. He's also really good at just talking to his team and, you know, building them up. Motivating and also keeping them calm. Yeah. As this is Louis. such a calm Fiji team. Yeah. Like, they looked so composed when they had the lead. They so easily could have thrown that away when yeah. Australia, you know, got back into bonus point range. And here's the thing, right? We brought up on the previous Fijian episode, previous episode, you know, mentioned the Fijian team, the Wales game, the quote, the thing that Raiwa Louis said, mm. 
after that England game, which is that fitness gives you clarity, and that was why he wanted the team to be incredibly fit. Yes. And we have all these videos of them running up the sand dunes, singing together, and you know, you really push them to be the fittest Fiji team has ever been, and they look like they are. They, they, they massively really are. Look, yeah. In the same way Ben Ryan did in the Olympics, and I think there's a real parallel between what Raiwa Louis doing, what Ben Ryan did Definitely. with that Olympic team, um, in terms of they work on their fitness, and the moment they've got the fitness, they can play in a style that really suits them. Yeah. Because I think a lot of past Fijian teams haven't been organized, haven't remained organized as games gone on, even if they've had, you know, the, the ambition to be. And this, this is an being, 80 minute team. Yeah. And that's such a rarity. Like set piece, well, maybe not lineup, but a mm. scrum, you know, the, the fact that we're winning scrum penalties more as the game went on. Yeah. When it just looked solid in the first half. Well, and this is the thing, right? So at the end of the first half, Fiji have this long succession where they're going for the corner and they're blowing it. Australia's defending really well in that period. Yes. Um, and you felt like those were huge momentum swings that could have cost them the game. And then Fiji just wrestled it back off. Didn't the sweat at off. all. Yeah. Didn't change anything at all. Obviously, the two aside come, try comes from a bit of luck. Yeah. Ultimately, it's a misjudged kick. It's a really good kick, but an awful lot of players are judging that correctly, at least getting in position where they can recover a bounce or make a tackle on a player. Yeah. Instead, two aside able to take it quite cleanly and run it in. And also, in the last 20 mm. minutes, they did that without Kuravoli. Yeah. Without Bottia. Yeah. And without Tusova. They were the three, yeah. like, for my money, the three best players on the park that day. And without all of them, they didn't panic. And don't get me wrong, like, you're bringing on Albert Tuasui, Frank Lamani, and Villamoni Petitu. Yeah. Who, who are great players. All, like, ludicrously good players. But still, like, it was like they'd lost nothing. You yeah. Know? But that's the thing, right? In past, when we've seen Fijian teams go for the jugular and go and kind of live by the sword and die by the swords, we saw them do it at the end of the first half. Mm. They've then fallen away after that, where they've felt the momentum go and they've been unable to regain it. They've been unable to make clear decisions or they've lacked the kind of tactical discipline. And they did this last week, like literally last week against Wales. And I think they've learned from that game enormously, where once Wales got on top, Fiji really struggled until the last 10 minutes when suddenly yeah. they were unbelievable. But it was only when Wales brought off bigger and stopped kicking so much and changed their tactic through, you know, okay. personnel. Yeah. Yeah. That Fiji had to get back into that game. Yeah. And we saw them the moment Australia started to get back into the game this week, they were able to just maintain patient tactics and start kicking the ball accurately, just hanging it in the air. An awful, awful lot of that is on those halfbacks, is on, yeah. you know, just how well they play. Also, an awful lot of that is on the back row, the fact that yeah. they, can, they can defend, they can steal the ball. Two a as well. Two a server making big hits and winning big turnovers. And yeah, obviously Bottier. And just trusting those guys A to lot do of this on Nice Alevu and Raiwa Louis as yeah. the key leaders in this team, you know, the kind of senior figures as a player and as a coach who have both entrusted them and just been very calm in the way they both talk yeah. and the way they both handle the team. And they Those just, guys deserve all the applause yeah, in their way, man. They just kept Fiji from going full Fiji and kept them at like 95% Fiji, you know? Because I think when Fiji... When Fiji go above that, it's bar starts to get red and things start to get nuclear and there's a risk of hitting 101% Fiji. Sure. And 101% Fiji, you are throwing interception passes and you're being wild and you're running out your own 22 and it yeah. turned over. And they stopped just short of that. Like it was beautiful the way they managed themselves and managed their own kind of expectations whilst never moving away from being that, you know, like this Raiwa Louis team is 95% the perfect for G inside yeah. and the other 5% is sensible and patient and that's what they've always been missing yes and they were just like beautiful beautiful to watch when they cut up to Sarevi in the crowd yeah like clearly he was very much more embracing the chaotic side oh yeah but I'm sure he could very much appreciate the, uh, the yeah. sensible side do you want to know who's unreal who Viliami Mata Mm. like I'll let you into a secret here right yeah the last couple of years I've kind of looked at Bill Mata and gone like 
Oh, he's still good, but like... Yeah, I've had the same thing. He's I'm not like, as he's good. He's not the force he once was. Yeah. You know, he used to be the, a contender for like, best number eight in the world. Yeah. And now he's a good player who deserves to be playing for his country. Like, he was one of the best sevens players in the world. And then he went to Edinburgh. And like, when he was fresh into 15s and just straight up enjoyed himself. Unreal. He was unplayable at times. Like, was offloading yeah. and, and ball carrying and so on. Like, matter on a good game with the best eight in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and he and single-handedly won Edinburgh Could games. play 15s like it was seven. Yeah, just the way that he passed the ball, ran with it, sidestepped, like just it's just an incredible, entertaining player to watch. But truthfully, the last couple of years, I've kind of gone like, oh, I kind of miss Bill Matter being like on top form because he still looks very good, but like in a different, more quieter way. But that was very naive of me because both against Wales and today, he's been monstrous and he's looked like just a proper proper carrying number eight yeah. who can hit and just works so unbelievably hard and he doesn't have to be throwing out the back offloads to have world-class performances yeah. today he was just something else can i give you another name go on right sirikiro veta the second row okay tiwaru sirikiro veta i thought was phenomenal yeah far quieter performance yeah but fiji's line out was really solid which, you know, he was I think there's room for improvement in the lineup for sure. But it was working, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was like perfectly grand. But the amount of tackles he was putting in and the way he was working around, like there were a couple of like real try savers and really difficult tackles that you would never expect Sekhmer to be making. We saw the exact same thing in the Japan game from Fakatava. Fakatava? Do you mean Fak- No, not Fakatava. Yeah. Fakatava, sorry. But yeah, he was fantastic. And like, if you look over his, I've just got his stats up, right? He only made 10 tackles. Which is actually a decent number when you're considering Fiji made about 70, so he's yeah. making, you know, a solid number of them. But they were consistently like, the tackles he was making, you're going like, oh god, that's an incredible tackle for a second row. Mm. How's he made that? Just for very, very good, quiet performances. I definitely, I do agree with that. And like, so often in past, Fiji have relied on the second rows to be like, you know, Leona Nakarawa. Yeah. Tavita Kavan Barty, you know, Tetra Tuva. All these kind of like, when Wami Leroravu, like, mm. all of these kind of like baller style locks who are yeah, just yeah. number eights in locks bodies. And when I say number eights, I mean centers. And when I say center, I mean fullbacks. But they've so often relied on those. And obviously in the Sila Sila, they have one of those. Yeah. But also it's really important they have somebody who's just really, really solid without Nakarawa and without uh, Ratuni Rawa. For instance, and you know all the other players I mentioned, Kevin Belty, uh, Ratula, and so on. It is really handy that they have somebody who is just reliable. Because, mm. And again, like as we were saying with Tangy earlier on the tight head, like mm. unbelievable, just really, really solid tight head. Doesn't need to do any of the flashy stuff. Just needs to get down and be all right at the scrum. And he is more than that. Yeah. Oh, he was fantastic. He was fantastic and played like ended up playing to the final whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Which is absurd. Shift that is. He deserves gold bars from the coaching team after that because absolutely that's a next level shift like he's somebody that we won't mention in man of the match contention but he is yeah like if if the coaches gave him man of the match after that you would say bloody to yeah. it word for Drew's essay at fullback as well yeah very solid because i think this is the thing right talking about australia australia really leaned into a kicking heavy game because they knew that was what mm. beat fiji last week wales gave in that first 20 minutes after halftime an exact roadmap for how you beat this fiji team yeah like, they were spot on tactically in terms of how you defeat them. And the thing is, they then couldn't keep that up once Big went off. And the first half, they spent being stupid and, you know, raising everyone's blood pressure endlessly. 
to a point in which, you know, it put them in a position where they could have, some may say should have lost that game. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, it would have been fair if they lost that game if they did. Yeah. However, I think, you know, because this isn't one of the games the way around. Australia were trying to do that and not managing it. Yeah. A lot of that is on Drew Assessi's performance. Yeah. It's on him he's being come out so nowhere, sorry. Hasn't he? He's come out, he's come out nowhere. to Athuvu. Yeah. I have no idea why, because he's one of the best counter-attacking fullbacks in the world. Yeah. And then suddenly Drew Assessi's come out of nowhere. And yeah, he's extremely solid. Like, he kicked well, fielded kicks well. Yeah. And then whenever the opposition falls asleep, he's just as good on the counter as any top yeah. level Fijian fullback. And this is the thing, right? So like, when we were going over the Fiji video, when we were making that, when we were going over their players, there's a, you know, there's a there's a handful of players that obviously you know when you're going in. Two of would have come up in that. A lot of them, yeah, where you kind of know, you're going in, you're going, you know, you know the two of sobers, you know the whatever's else in the yeah. world. The, the really big names and there's a few like Aroni Mawi where you're like okay this guy's improved a lot in the last few years and you want to rely on it and then you go Takatega Valu who's a player that's come out of nowhere I don't think we mentioned in the video but like someone no. really impressed me going back over him and then obviously Ravdimada yeah. who was like the real breakthrough for me from watching the Fijian draw and what I've watched back of them because yeah. I didn't see that much of them played live just over the He's it's one of the weird things so about far. doing this as a job is you end up focusing so much on test rugby that I watch less domestic Southern Hemisphere rugby yeah. part of that is just like it's kind of fallen more into obscurity and less people are watching it in the sure. UK in general but then especially a few years ago yeah but like I have found myself watching much less I've watched almost no Super Rugby live this year yeah I watched like two or three games which isn't ideal for what we do and you try to keep abreast on it watch highlights and you know keep covering it but it just meant it fell away just because the sheer amount of like having to watch things 20 times and having to you know focus on test rugby and bring that through Drew's essay completely passed me by like I completely missed him as a player completely didn't like follow him at all didn't pick up anything on him you know and it's been by all accounts fantastic for the drewer and i just didn't pick up anything there he's on our radar now isn't he's he? he's on our radar now and you know what he's on our radar which is an accurate term because you want to know a fun fact about oh, drew's essay he's a sailor oh that's cool he's an actual sailor that's like, nice his favorite thing to do in his spare time is and this is in his words, sailing and exploring the islands of Fiji. Oh, what a guy. I love that about Yeah. Him. Yeah, he just likes to like sail around Fiji on his own That's in the cool. little boat that he's got. That's like the second coolest thing that I've thought of a Fijian fullback that we mentioned in this podcast. Just yes. in his spare time. But yeah, he was bloody superb. Yeah, he was brilliant. Can play wing and centre as well, which is like a scary thought. But like, he looks like such a fullback, which yeah, is the thing I think he missed as well. Because generally they've been slotting wingers on at 15. If you think like last 10 years, you know, you're thinking of Kenny Murray played yeah. wing at club level. Mechi Selis played wing at club level. Yeah. You know. Wing Murray played flanker at club level. Yeah, exactly. They've generally found players who were good and could slot in there yeah. rather than having specialists. And yes, I know he can play other positions, but he feels like a specialist. Yeah, he does. In terms of his skill set, feels very suited to the fullback position. Yeah. And he was, yeah, brilliant. brilliant. And just allowed them to nullify the kicking game in a way I think, perhaps if they had been putting a two or three or whatever in, it might not have been so because their kicking game isn't as strong. Mm. And that's not to criticise their kicking game, though, which is yeah. probably fine, but it's not in the way... I do miss two or three like, but yeah. yeah, it'll be back. Yeah. Sure. No, I just thought you were superb. Because so much of this game was about Fiji managed to nullify the Australian yeah. kicking game. Bloody made up for Fiji that they came through that game and they won it. The last half was bloody tight. Yeah. It was terrifying. It was like, very evenly matched as a game. Because the first half was really evenly matched. Mm. The second half was pretty evenly matched. Then Australia started more, making more mistakes and Fiji started to pull away. Fiji won like a load of the 1%ers, but didn't they? I think there was a kind of a point in the game, and you can't quite pinpoint where, just from having watched it once, where whichever team was in the lead was probably just going to start to pull away. Yeah, yeah. 
and Fiji happened to be the team in the lead because I yeah. think it was pretty even. But then I can see that Australia started to get slightly frustrated. And I think if it was the other way around, Fiji would start to get slightly frustrated. Mm. I thought just to be back up on Australia. Mark Tanase was absolutely outstanding. Oh, he, he was just is. brilliant and got to play a bit of fullback, which is just great yeah. content. Yeah, just great telly. Just, <laughs> just great. He's just so fun to watch. Yeah, he just he never accepts a tackle, and it's wonderful. No, and it kind of him and Coromembete and Karevi being standouts for Australia kind of highlights the only way to beat Fiji is to be Fiji. Yeah, that's just true. like pick three Fijian lads, and actually you'll be a third <laughs> as good as Fiji. Yeah, that seems fair. Rob Valentini also excellent. Yeah, so good. We made the point at the time like he was making high shots on people that weren't penalizable ones. There weren't high tackles, mm. you know, but like he was going ball and all wrapping people up and getting his head in safe positions. And just it once again shows it is definitely possible. Well, did you see the Farrell interview about high tackle and red cards and stuff? No. He was asked about the Tom Curry thing. He was asked about all of that and about how you're getting so many red cards. Are you going to start tackling lower? Are you going to change this? Stop looking for dominant shots every time. Okay. And Farrell said no because we'll get dropped. And if that's the attitude there... The ball's in Borthwick's right. court, isn't it? It very much is. But also, was that an attitude that was there with Eddie Jones? Are they very used to that? If that's he's not questioning that. Fair. And Australia was tackling very high. Eddie Jones is great, but he's definitely toxic. Or, yeah. Well, no, Valentini was tackling very high. A lot of the players weren't. It's something yeah. Wales weren't doing. Wales went for a lot of soak-up tackles. And All on like first phase tackles. as well, the, the Valentini yeah. ones. Like, on the last year. Australia were looking to stop momentum dead, yeah. and Wales weren't. Wales were quite happy to concede, you know, like... I think, I think Wales, there's some mad stat about like Wales didn't have a single dominant tackle, like one dominant tackle in the game. Maybe the Josh Adams one. Okay. Where, generally, they were just doing soak-up tackles, just yeah. in order to, like, get back up on their feet, knowing the more important thing was just having men on their feet to spread out and hence why they made 253 tackles yeah but Australia were far more like front up and trying to meet them and stop them and I think that was weirdly a less effective tackle tactic yeah I think if the uh, tackle laws that have been introduced in England recently at junior level yes. and amateur level but genuinely like because we'll draw back that if that comes in at international level you know Eddie Jones is going to have to do some adapting yeah that. so just to bring down the curtain on Fiji then amazing what a result blows this pool wide open in a way that we probably should have seen coming because they were great and Fiji are a great team. It's a really, really good Fiji team. One of the best Fiji teams that's ever been, yeah. as we discussed earlier. And I think the big question is, where do they go from here? How does this pool shake out from here? It's impossible to call this pool. Yeah. Like, we were talking earlier about Wales, Australia. Obviously, so much pressure is now on Wales to be Australia. Yes. Especially after uh, Lamani missed that kick to deny them a bonus Yes. Point. But there's so much pressure on Wales now to beat Australia if they want to get out of this pool. That game could honestly go either way. I don't think... I think you made the point earlier that this contextualises Wales as win over yeah. Fiji. But I don't think it has any bearing on Wales as Australia, weirdly. Mm. I don't think it means, oh yeah, Wales beat Fiji, therefore they're going to beat Australia. I don't think any such thing. And yeah, you made the point as well earlier. We've got to beat Georgia as well, yeah. from a Wales perspective. You know? Yeah. And Fiji have to beat Georgia as well. Yeah. Like, that's not easy no to just go out and do and with wales potentially having to get a bonus point there now thanks to australia having another point in the bag they could do with that it really changes it i wouldn't rule out even though there's supposedly teams that are better than they're supposedly the weaker teams in the pool i wouldn't rule out fiji losing to either georgia or portugal yeah absolutely not the georgia game will be the one that Georgia are really targeting. Yeah. They know this is their big statement game. They were really pissed off after that last game. Yeah. Like, it wasn't weirdly included on the footage, on the coverage, anywhere. But I was in the stadium and they did the captain's interviews um, for that game in 2019. And also when they did the one in 2020, and, which was Fiji's only game of the yeah. uh, ordination. And then when they played in... Yeah, then they played in 2021 and Georgia drew. It was 50 yeah. like, But, no, so the 2019 game, right? They In the stadium, they did, like... 
the interviews with the two captains that weren't broadcast. Shara Kadza, I think, assuming it was broadcast, or maybe it was broadcast in the Georgia version, I don't know. It wasn't on the Word Feed version, it wasn't on the ITV version. Shara Kadze apologised to the nation of Georgia and the people watching because he felt he was ashamed of the performance and the team had to apologise, right? that That's what they're motivated looking into this game. Yeah. You know, they're trying to overcome that. Like, this is a huge emotional hurdle for Georgia to overcome. And they weren't at their best against Australia, but we know how much better they can be. We've seen them beat Wales and beat Australia was always going to be their worst game of this World Cup. Yeah. Georgia. Yeah. That was always a game that looked like a bridge too far. Yeah. And it doesn't match up in terms of style of play. You know, Wales are so kick oriented and Georgia are more expensive than they used to be, but they still are very happy to keep a game tight and then strike. And if they can manage to do that, if they can manage to keep that Fiji game close, which this Australia game was, like Fiji are far more happy to play a tight game and look for moments of magic yeah. than they used to be. It's a very, very different game. It is, it is. Um, also, can we really just agree one. that Fiji versus Portugal is going to be the best and most fun that's game the, of the entire tournament? Yeah, one of the games I'm most excited about for this tournament. Yeah. Argentina v Chile, I'm that's really excited about. And then Portugal v Fiji yeah. will be huge. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's last weekend of the pools. Fiji may be in a situation where they know they need to win by 20 or something in order to get out, in order to be oh, to Australia. Fun. Which would be great if you've got a point side you need to chase. The easy thing but, to say is like both teams are just going to spread it wide. But Fiji are going to do more than that. The other option though, the other thing is, right, Wales beat Australia, Fiji beat Georgia, and suddenly you're in a situation where Fiji you know all, all we want to do is like cancer to a win over this easy beat. And they put out a similar team to what they did against Uruguay last time. Yeah. Where they kind of, you know, last time against Uruguay, Uruguay phenomenal, but also Fiji had gone, right, well, we're playing Australia last week and Wales next week. We win that one of those two games throughout the group. We'll beat Uruguay. Yeah. And they went into it really lethargic and just expecting to win it. And they were arrogant and they lost. Yeah. And I think there's a chance that happens against Portugal. Because yeah. Portugal are a team of a similar quality to We Uruguay. have seen Fiji back up huge performances with shit performances. Yes. We've seen that happen in past. And I don't think that's going to happen. No, neither Labour will say that's does. completely irrelevant and he would be right to say so. Yes, as would Wai Rului. But I think that's an interesting possibility. Yeah. An interesting it's world that could come. This honestly anyone could be anyone in this ball as we yeah. saw you know Wales supposedly the top seed almost losing to Portugal or yeah. being pushed by Portugal far harder than people expected Yeah, this can go any which way I've got no idea how to call any of the games including during the games you know you have no idea who's going to win any of them during the match which is huge and exciting and wonderful and fantastic and I'm really excited about where this pool goes. I'm really excited about the coming rounds. Um, I'm really excited about the Wales-Australia game, although I know I will hate it on the day. Yes. I will hate everything but the final whistle in the event Wales win. And I'll hate everything in the event that Wales lose. Yes. Oh. Obviously, it pales in comparison to Wales-Fiji, but Wales-Australia is not great, is it? Oh, God. They're my two least favourite games. But you know who loves that Fixture. Curtly Beal. Wayne Barnes. Wayne Barnes loves that picture. <laughs> every single time he referees it. It'll every single time Wales play Australia, Wayne Barnes is refereeing it. Back all the way back to the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. And will continue to be in two hundred years' time. Yeah. So, wanna say once more? Simone Caravoli, bloody exceptional. Nick White played well as well, actually. I think that he deserves a mention. Yeah. Little boy. He did some little pissing. Generally put some shape on it. I just refuse to accept it because he's such a knobhead. <laughs> he's just, and he's... I, 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 I say that as a compliment because I'm a scrum off, you know. He must fit in so well here in France. Oh, you know, he must yeah. be like, people oh, yeah. see him and just be, assume he's French. Yeah. You know, not like the thing that we have where bloody, we walk up to anyone and they're like, ah, hello, I speak the French, the English. Yes. Um, that, that's all our conversations with French people. Yeah. 
Oh god, it's constant. So yeah. every conversation you have in France, you start speaking in French, and then they're like, "No, I speak English," and they just finish yeah. the conversation in English. And you're like, oh, okay. "Can you tell it's quarter past two in the morning as we record?" Jesus, this? it is. Okay. So yeah, um, last word I'm going to give once again to why say Nathalevu. Nobody deserves a result like that more than him. What a player! What a player! And what a game he had! What a game! We'll dig into it more in a video in the coming days. Yeah, that's the plan. And there will be plenty more going on because I think that most certainly was rugby. Rugby Union Weekly. Ah, oh, shit! No, that's the other one. Can't oh, do no, that. No, no. Uh, World Cup Contem- Contemporary Rugby. 